1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning in verse number 3. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at the time were, two, were the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas. And on the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Penina and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah, taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah, her husband, would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having 10 sons? All of you husbands in the room, I would not recommend. I would not recommend following the counsel of Elkanah in this story, all right? I'm, if you do, you're on your own. That did not come from the pulpit. All right, verse 9. Verse 9. Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray Eli, the priest, was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And then verse 11, we're going to stop here. We'll talk more about the story later. Verse 11, and she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son. She's desperate here. Then I will give him back to you and he will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the time that you have allotted to us this morning. This time is sacred. Uh, this time is reverent. Uh, we are in your presence this morning. So we thank you for the time that you have given to us to not just hear the living word of God presented out of my mouth, but Lord, an opportunity to respond to what you want to do in our hearts and in our lives. So Holy Spirit, I pray that in these next few moments together, I ask and I pray that you would speak to every single heart in this room today. Lord, you know where we are. You know what we are wrestling with. God, you know the deepest hurts. You know the deepest desires and longings of our hearts. And God, I pray today that as we hear your word communicated through my mouth, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would help us to recognize this morning that only you, Jesus, can satisfy any longing and any desire in our hearts. Holy Spirit, help me to speak not a single word of my own, but only that which comes from you. Help me to declare your word with boldness, with passion, with simplicity and clarity. And God, help me to decrease and you to increase and be the focus of our time together, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, every Christmas, um, my kids, they look forward to making their Christmas list. Anybody have kids or grandkids that absolutely love to make a list for you of what they want for Christmas? Yes. And then there's some of you out there that are like, I wish they would make me a list. I have no idea. How many of you adults, how many adults in the room love to make Christmas lists? You have an Amazon wish list or you, and, and you have no problem sending that off to somebody. My kids love this time of year 
And so Sarah and I, we, the last couple of years, we have set a date to, uh, with our kids to go to the store, usually um, before mid-November, before Thanksgiving. And usually what we do is we'll go to a, a few stores, we'll take our kids with us, and we'll let them, you know, walk through the toy aisle, walk through, you know, the crafts and the arts um, aisle or the sporting goods aisle, whatever they're into at the time. And we'll walk down the aisles and they like to look at all the toys. They like to look at all of the items in front of them. And and um, what we do is we say, if there's something that you like, you know, let us know. And because of the great technology we have today, um, we'll take a picture with our kid and the item that they're holding uh, in the screen. You know, this is like the, the 2023 version of the big, thick uh, JCPenney Sears catalogs that you used to get. Um, and, and I think this year, you know, some of us used to look forward to um, the, the newspaper on Thanksgiving in preparation for all of the ads that would be available. I remember sitting at my grandparents' house um, as a kid, and, and the newspaper would be thick, full of, of all of these ads, and you'd sit there, and part of, part of Thanksgiving, as you prepared for Black Friday shopping, part of Thanksgiving was flipping through those ads and, you know, circling all the things that you want, and, and then making sure that that list gets to your parents or your grandparents so they knew what you want. Well, this is the, this is the 2023 version. We take our kids to the store, we let them peruse, we take pictures, and we develop our list from that picture. But then here's what happens. Christmas rolls around. You know, the excitement builds as they anticipate opening that present, that thing that they desperately want, that one gift they were hoping to get, the gift that was going to bring so much joy to their heart when they pull away the wrapping paper and they see it there in front of them, that gift that they thought would satisfy their jolly soul. The gift is opened on Christmas morning, you know, they play with the gift maybe for the next two or three months. Then the next thing you know, they've moved on to bigger and better things. It satisfied them for a moment, but the joy that it brought to their heart quickly faded and it no longer satisfied their longing. Next thing you know, you're approaching the next Christmas and that gift they got last year is on the purge list because they don't play with it anymore. They don't find joy in it anymore. It no longer satisfies. They move on to something else. They're looking for a new gift, the new toy, the, uh, the new device that will bring joy to their hearts. What happens every Christmas is really a depiction of the ongoing struggle of the human race. And we see it even in our story today, the story of this birth account of a boy by the name of Samuel. And it certainly is on display in our world today and has been since the dawn of time. Here is the reality that humanity is faced with. Every human heart is longing to experience complete satisfaction. Every person in this room, every human being that exists on the face of this planet or has existed on the face of this planet or will exist on the face of this planet will wrestle with this thing. And that is that our hearts long to experience complete and full satisfaction. John Stange wrote these words. He says, there are people you know right now who are downcast and discouraged and if you could look into their hearts, 
there are certain commonalities I think you would see. You would find unmet expectations, disappointment with current circumstances, unfulfilled dreams, and in all likelihood, some misplaced hope. Their hearts are longing for something they feel is missing. And it's possible that they're searching for those longings to be fulfilled through people, means, goals, and opportunities that do not have the capacity to fulfill those longings. We see that Hannah, she was childless, and it left her with disappointment. Disappointment with her current circumstances, and she was unsatisfied with her condition. She was barren, and she was longing to have a son. Let me read these words to you again in chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, and let's look at it again. And let, as I read these, I want you to see and I want you to picture the longing and the satisfaction or the, or the desire in Hannah's heart as we unpack this story. It says, each year Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at that time were the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. And on the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Penina and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Penina would taunt Hannah, make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. And year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time Hannah would be reduced to tears and she would not even eat. And then her husband would say to her, why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask, why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having 10 sons? So we see that Hannah is desperately longing to have a son. She has this, this empty desire in her heart and she is longing for that emptiness to be fulfilled and her longing is for her to have a son. But what we see in the story, unfortunately, those closest to Hannah, they don't make her circumstances or matters easier for her in her season of disappointment and dissatisfaction. Penina, the, the rival co-wife, taunted her and insulted her year after year after year because of her barrenness. Her own husband, Elkanah, hammers her with question after question after question instead of consoling her and comforting her and having empathy because of her, her dissatisfaction. He just pounds her with question after question. You have Eli, the priest, the one who is ministering in the service of the Lord later on in the text. Uh, Hannah is in, the, is in the place of worship and she is praying unto the Lord, asking and pleading with God for a son. And Eli, who is at a distance, he sees this woman who is praying, but he sees, he sees her mouth moving, her lips moving, but he hears nothing coming out of her mouth. And so he assumes that she is drunk. And so this priest, this minister of the Lord, who should show pastoral sensitivity instead, he is insensitive to her condition. And just as a sidebar for all of us in this room today, Christians, we need to grow in the area of empathy. And this begins with being better listeners, both to one another, but also better listeners to God. Because if we drop the ball, 
we may miss out on an opportunity to help lead someone to the one who will satisfy our longing hearts. Here's what I want you to understand this morning. A lack of empathy will create a spirit of insensitivity. If we are unable to be empathetic toward those around us who, who are longing to have this, uh, the, the desires of their heart satisfied, it will create a spirit of insensitivity in us. The responses of her family and the perspective of the priest would offer Hannah no cure for the empty feeling that she had. There was this hole in her heart, in her life. She longed to have a son, and this desire was not being fulfilled. We see in the story, chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, Hannah would actually excuse herself from the, the sacrificial meal that was taking place. And, and she would go and she would actually spend some time with the Lord. Verses 9 through 11, we see this prayer of desperation that, that Hannah prays to the Lord, asking that if you give me a son, God, I will give him back to you. She asked God to give her a son, and she would turn around and give that son back to God. We read in verse 11, it says, And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. Samuel, too, will take the Nazarite vow, just like Samson did. We talked about that last week. He would be set apart. He would be dedicated to the Lord for very specific godly service. Now, what we see, though, and I want you to see this. We don't really see this in the text, but remember, there is this, there is this sacrificial meal taking place. And so the entire family has gathered around to share in this meal. And so Elkanah and Penina and all of Penina's children are present, and likely they are kind of running around, and there's this joyful spirit at this meal taking a place. But then you have Hannah over there sitting, kind of alone, kind of uh, desperate for a son, and she has this empty feeling inside of her because she sees that this rival co-wife of her, Penina, has children and she's joyful and she has this gleeful spirit about her, but then she looks at herself, she looks internally at her own condition and she realizes there is this emptiness in my soul because I long to have a son, I long to have a child and there is this desire in me that is not being fulfilled. And so Hannah will separate herself for just a moment. She will leave this sacrificial meal. She will go and spend time before the Lord and pray. But, but at the same time, there's all of these children that are running around. There's this joyful atmosphere that is unfolding as Elkanah and Penina and their children are celebrating this meal. And so you can even imagine that this running around would serve as a reminder to Hannah of her own emptiness. As she's praying to the Lord, desperately longing for a child, she looks over at this dinner table where Elkanah, Penina, and the children are at, and it just reminds her that she herself is empty, that she is barren, that she is not having her desire fulfilled. And it leaves her wondering, how can I meet, how can I have this desire of mine fulfilled? God would hear her prayer and answer her request. She would receive a son, and this would certainly bring healing to her wounded heart. But even this son, and I want you to see this this morning, even this son would not offer complete satisfaction for the empty desire in Hannah's heart. Here's what I want you to see. A heart searching for satisfaction 
It is the cry of all humanity. Every single one of us, whether we know it or not, whether we've experienced it or not, the reality is every human heart is longing for and crying for that emptiness inside of us to be fulfilled. We see it in Scripture. We see it throughout our life. Solomon, at the end of his life, Solomon was the wisest king. Solomon had everything. He had fame. He had wealth. He had riches. He had uh, 700 wives and 300 concubines. I do question his sanity, all right? Um, but but he, was the, he was a wise king. He was a wealthy king. He had fame. Solomon tried it all. Solomon had it all. But when he gets to the end of his life, and we read about this in Ecclesiastes, Solomon is the author of, the Ecclesia, of, of Ecclesiastes, and we get to the end of his life, and he says things like this. He says, you know, I searched for everywhere for satisfaction and fulfillment in wisdom, in riches, in fames. But at the end of his life, he viewed everything as vanity, 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 meaningless, meaningless, empty, empty. Everything left him. He thought, he thought riches would bring satisfaction. It didn't. It was meaningless. He thought fame would bring him satisfaction. It left him empty inside. He tried it all. The Pharisees, think about the Pharisees. They thought strict obedience to the law and, and to their own traditions would somehow bring satisfaction to their hearts, but it left them empty. Too many people even today have bought into the lie of the enemy, the lie that says the right relationship will bring satisfaction to my empty heart, the lie of the enemy that says accumulating more wealth and resources will somehow satisfy the craving of my heart, the lie that reaching a comfortable status and having familiar surroundings will somehow satisfy that deepest longing in my heart. The lie that says receiving the next job promotion or pay raise will somehow finally fill that emptiness in my heart. The lie that says a certain gift this Christmas may be the very thing that will finally satisfy the emptiness in my heart. Maybe the lie of going through the religious, religious motions of attending service without a deep relationship with Jesus the lie that another drink, another smoke, another bed, or another look will certainly make my heart satisfy. Many in our culture have bought into that lie, thinking that somehow the things of this world, whether good or bad, will satisfy the emptiness in my heart. And I'm here to remind us and tell us this morning that none of those things will satisfy. The reality is this. All of these earthly things, many of them which aren't bad at all, even when they are achieved or experienced, they still leave people empty and dissatisfied. Hannah longed for a son. She thought that son would bring satisfaction to her empty heart. She received a son. God blessed her. She was joyful because of that, but there was still an emptiness in her heart that could not be fulfilled through an earthly relationship. And here's the other thing that I want us to know then this morning. Jesus then is the only one who can truly satisfy our longing and our searching hearts. Every single human being has that empty longing place in their heart, in their soul, wanting to have that somehow fulfilled. And that can only be fulfilled through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Notice Hannah's expression of praise following the birth of Samuel. 
So we get to chapter two. She's given a son. We read in the first two verses, it says this, my heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. And now I have an answer for my enemies. I rejoice because you rescued me. No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you and there is no rock like our God. This is after Samuel has been given to her. God has answered her prayer, has answered her cry for a son. And actually uh, quite a bit later, she, and it's after she actually brings the son to the temple to be dedicated to the Lord, she offers up this prayer unto the Lord. This was not just a prayer of thanksgiving regarding the birth of Samuel. That would have occurred actually earlier in the text, but rather this is a prayer of her belief in all that the child will be in the ministry of the Lord that will take place through this child. Notice, I want you to notice the vertical nature of her prayer. I want you to see uh, in these first two verses how she begins the prayer. She says, my heart rejoices where in the Lord. It's vertical. She says, there is no one holy like the Lord. It's a vertical prayer of thanksgiving. She declares before the Lord, she says, there is no one beside you, Lord, And then she declares, there is no rock like our God. So her expression of praise and gratitude is not about some earthly gift that she has received. Instead, her response is to give praise unto the Lord. It is a a, a vertical expression of praise and gratitude. My heart rejoices in the Lord. No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Her gratitude and her expression of praise was geared toward God and his wonderful acts of grace in her life. In a sense, Hannah is uh, prophetically offering praise to the one who doesn't compare to anyone or anything, the only one who truly satisfies the longings of our hearts. And we know that one to be Jesus. And he is the most precious gift, better than any earthly gift we could ever receive. The gift of Jesus is better than any gift that is presently under your tree or will be under your tree. The gift of Jesus is better than any earthly relationship that we could ever long for or ever desire. The gift of Jesus is better than any job promotion or job advancement or, or wealth or wisdom or fame. Uh, it's better than, than any drink or anything that we will ever obtain. The gift of Jesus Christ is the greatest gift that we could ever Receive, And he is the only one that can truly satisfy the emptiness in our souls. Our emptiness can experience fullness and our dissatisfaction can be transformed into complete satisfaction only when Jesus becomes our very all. Shared this with you before, St. Augustine, I think, summarizes it best in, in this statement. And he says this, our heart is restless until it finds rest in thee. I want you to think about that for just a moment. Our heart is restless until it finds rest in Jesus. Think about your own life for just a moment. Think about your own circumstances. Think about your own longings, your own emptiness, your own feelings of, of wanting something to be fulfilled. You, you've tried it all. You, you had the job promotion. You had the riches. You had the advancement. You had the relationship. And, and, and each and every time, it left you still wanting because there was still an emptiness in your hearts. 
But St. Augustine in his scripture so beautifully teaches us our heart is restless until it finds rest in God. Solomon declared nothing else matters. Fear God and obey his commandments. He says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 that he has planted eternity in the human heart. So we wonder why all of those other earthly, worldly things will not satisfy our longing. It's because the emptiness in our, or, or the, the hole in our heart, so to say, or so to speak, can only be fulfilled through a relationship with Jesus. Jesus said himself, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. To the woman at the well, what did Jesus say? He said, I will give you water to where you will never thirst again. He was offering her living water, something that would satisfy her, her eternal, her spiritual craving. This wasn't just some liquid water that would satisfy her for maybe a day and then she would have, have to come back again. But Jesus is saying to the woman at the well in John chapter four, let me give you something so that you will never, never be thirsty again. I will quench the thirst of your hearts if you receive me. The disciples, when Jesus asked, if they would leave like the crowd. So Jesus is teaching and many of the crowds could not, could not really handle what Jesus was saying. Many of them left, many of them dispersed. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he says to them, he says, aren't you gonna leave too? And the response of the disciples, he says, Lord, where are we gonna go? You have the words of eternal life. Only you, Jesus, can satisfy the emptiness in my heart and in my soul. And I think Jesus says it best in Matthew chapter five in the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus's teaching. He says, those who hunger and thirst for what? For righteousness, they will be satisfied. Jesus didn't say those who hunger and thirst for another human relationship, another um, more wisdom or more wealth or more fame or more of this from a worldly perspective, but those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, Jesus is our righteousness. So those who hunger and thirst for more of Jesus, they will be satisfied. Satisfaction only comes when we long for Jesus. And I can promise you this morning, when we long for Jesus, when we desire for more of him, he will not only satisfy our longing heart, but he will begin to meet each and every need. Oswald Chambers, and I wanna end with this quote, and for those of you that are wondering why I'm ending so early, <laughs> um, like what has happened to Pastor Kyle? Um, I, I wanna I want allow time for us to respond even to the word this morning. Worship team, actually, if you wanna go ahead and come. Don't tune me out just yet. Satisfaction only comes when we long for Jesus. Listen to what Oswald Chambers so beautifully declared. He says, the man or woman who does not know God demands an infinite satisfaction from other human beings which they cannot give. And in the case of the man, he becomes tyrannical and cruel. It springs from this one thing, the human heart must have satisfaction. But there is only one being who can satisfy the last abyss of the human heart, and that is the Lord 
Jesus Christ. Nothing else. No one else. Nothing in this world has the power, has the ability, has the strength to satisfy the longing in our human hearts. That abyss, that emptiness, whatever that may be in your life or whatever that may look like, maybe you've tried everything, you've looked to everything, and it keeps leaving you empty and dissatisfied. Well, I'm here this morning to tell you that that longing, that emptiness, that dissatisfaction can experience satisfaction, wholeness, and fullness only when we give ourselves completely to Jesus. Let me tell you this. Jesus is ready and he is prepared to step in and to be the king upon the throne of your hearts. But he is waiting for us to invite him to take that place. Jesus is not interested. Jesus is not interested in sharing place upon the throne of our heart with something or someone else. He, he doesn't want to just receive part of our life or part of our attention. He wants, he wants all of us. He desires a relationship with us and only he can satisfy the emptiness and the longing in our hearts. So my question for all of us in this room is, what is the desire of your hearts? What do you long for? What are you hoping to receive and to experience? This Christmas season, every Christmas season is all about you know, the buildup and the anticipation and the expectation and what gift is going to be under the tree? I can't wait to receive what I've, what I've been hoping for all year long. I've been waiting for this day. But I want you to take just a moment this morning to really, really search, go beneath the surface for just a moment. Begin to look inside to the recesses of your heart and ask yourself, very honestly this morning, this question, what is the true desire of my heart? Is it another relationship? Is it that promotion? Is it to have more of the, the earthly things, the material things that, spoiler alert, do not last when it comes to eternity none of those things even matter anyways as Solomon so beautifully and correctly said all of those things are meaningless they're vanity they have no eternal value there's no eternal worth in them they might satisfy you for a season you might feel like you're happy you might feel like there's no emptiness inside of you, but if you search deep enough, you will quickly realize that none of those things, none of those material, earthly, worldly things have any power, any ability 
to truly satisfy the emptiness, that hole that is in your heart. God has placed eternity in the heart of humanity, meaning the only thing that can satisfy that emptiness, the only thing that can bring joy and complete satisfaction is Jesus Christ himself, the one who is eternal. So what is, what is the desire of your heart? Is it to have more stuff? To experience more things here on earth? Or if you dig down deep enough, is the desire of your hearts to know Jesus more, to grow closer to him, to have a deeper walk with the one who is ready to have that relationship with you.